Good morning. I want to share something with you this morning that in all probability will take more than one week to do. Uh, It could take ten weeks. But um, let me read a couple of verses which are not necessarily everything I'm going to be talking about, but it introduces you to this subject. Psalm 92, in the first verses, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. And that, in one sense, could sum up the whole book of Psalms. But just hold it. In Ephesians 5, in verse 17, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the mirror translation of that last verse, um, he says it a little differently, which I prefer. He says, you can afford to always overflow in gratitude to the Father in spite of everything that happens to you. You are not under the circumstances, but above the circumstances, because you are in him. Okay. Now, um, if you have read the entire Bible three or four or five, six times, you will know that over both Testaments, the Old Testament, the New Testament, praise and giving of thanks is dominant wherever you turn in, in either way. Now, I want you to think about this, because it is important, though it won't seem to be, but you know a people by their vocabulary. Now, I study language. I study how people speak and why they say words. But this is pretty, you know, you know a people by the words in their vocabulary. When I lived in Canada... I'll give you a number of words that were very well known and on everybody's tongue, like snow, <laughs> ice, blizzard, whiteout, snow plows. I could keep going. Uh, black ice. Um, the, these were not only well known to the people, it was part of their life <clears throat> for a greater part of the year. I go down into South Africa and say snow, ice, they don't even know what I'm talking about unless they're educated in the Western world. Um, so they don't have a word in their language for most of those words I've just used. Now, immediately I know that the people in Canada, and you'd find the same in Finland, where they would add to it uh, sleigh, um, they would add to it huskies, reindeer, um, the list goes on. Whereas in even South Texas, those words, only because we are Westerners who read, 
we know what they mean, but very few South Texans could say they've been there and done that. Um, someone got a husky the other day, and I, I said, what are you doing having a husky in South Texas? Now, I've been into the Arctic, and I've seen the Inuits and the, Inuits and the Eskimo with their huskies that, that go for hundreds of miles pulling the sleigh. And then their idea of coming home at night, those great dogs will roll in the snow. And, and what are you doing in South Texas? Where the, so the word husky should at least be an unknown word in South Texas. Uh, they don't belong here. So I know the peoples that I've just mentioned, they are people who are so familiar with cold and ice and snow that they have all these words to describe every twist and turn of living in an ice-bound country. You follow me? Yeah. They need all those words because that's where they live. And when I, and more than that, uh, when I landed in Alaska, um, they took me straight from the plane to a store before I froze to death. And then they put clothes on me that I'd never seen uh, living in New York at the time. Uh, never seen them. Furs, mucklocks to put on your feet, fur boots, and I keep going. Never known anywhere else. You had to be there. And, and then it was a necessity. It was part of your life. Okay. And I could keep going, that uh, you go into other climbs and, and they, they don't even wear clothes, <laughs> let alone furs. I mean, who needs it? And, and um, why do I say all of that? When I come to the Old Testament, there are at least 10 different words they use to try and express praise. That's amazing. Amazing. 10 different words to say praise. And there's every little tiny nuance difference. There's praise where you raise your hands. There's praise where you hit a guitar. There's praise when you uh, right down to hallelujah, um, which is the Hebrew for brag on God, boast of him, make a fool of yourself. Um, hallel. Uh, now, we come into the New Testament and what many, many uh, in the West miss is that the center of the New Testament is the word Eucharist. Um, we, we say Eucharist, but do you know that is a Greek word? You're speaking Greek when you say that. Uh, Eucharist is a Greek word meaning the great thanksgiving. And those verses I've just given you sum that up, that in everything you give thanksgiving to God the Father, in everything, or as uh, Francois says, you know, under all circumstances, um, in spite of the circumstance, you keep on praising God because you live above them. That's the New Testament. I could go on to say that one of our titles as believers is that we are priests of God. And that doesn't mean that we're an Old Testament priest. If you I won't go into it, we're priests after the order of Melchizedek, and there are no sacrifices because there's one sacrifice, and ours is only to give praise and give praise. Um, what am I saying? The Eucharist is not one event at the beginning of the week. 
Eucharist is the way we live. Eucharist is the way we think. Eucharist is the way we talk. We are a walking Eucharist. The great thanksgiving, that is what defines a believer. And in the Old Testament, they needed 10 words just to try and say everything they wanted to say about praise and thanksgiving. I go among many persons and it's hard for them to find one word to describe praise. And when they do, it sounds awkward in their mouth and they don't know what to do with it. Um, so I want to look at this thankfulness. I'll, I'll come down on that word. I could use a lot of other words, but let's just thankfulness sort of um, is more familiar to us. Thankfulness. Um, it, it's this radical, and it sure is, if you're going to praise and give thanks to God under all circumstances or in spite of the circumstances, I'm talking something very radical. And I'm talking something very few people really understand here in the West. It's a God-life language. It's the language of the New Covenant. And it is not spoken outside of the language of the New Covenant. Um, you, you don't go into this world system and hear thanks to God. It's just not, they don't talk that language. You come among us and it is a language that according to the New Testament, invades every part of our being. We are people who are known because we give praise to God. And it's praise in attitude, the way we look at life, the way we look at the future, the way we interpret the past. It all comes under that, thanks be to God. Um, it means that when I come to Christ, I rewrite my past because it isn't what I thought it was. And all the negative and all the scars that the past brings, I now realize into the incredible healing hand of God have brought me to this position today. And I, and I can give thanks to God written all over my life. I've got to change all of that because I had a different look at life, you see. Um, in Genesis 2, not that I'm going there, but it says that the, the man, Adam, was put into the garden to tend and keep it. They're two really unfortunate words because actually those both words are used all through the Old Testament to describe <coughs> priests. And so it was saying Adam was put in the garden and as he weeded the garden, as he brought forth the fruit from the trees, he was as a priest giving thanks to God. It means that he embedded into his everyday life, giving thanks to God. So the most mundane work was part of giving glory to God. Amen. Thankfulness. Now, do not, do not um, make this word the same as our Western word, thank you. Now, that word is very important. Gratitude is the bigger concept here. And it does, even in the Bible, come down to thank you. But they had another word for that. Of course, they, they gave thanks not only to God, but to each other. And they didn't use the word give thanks if you do something for me. It's more like I bless you. Um, giving thanks was reserved for God. But it was not, as I say, thank you, God, because you got me a parking place down where, you know, 
Um, that's very charismatic. And indeed, thank you, Lord. But that's not what this means. Giving thanks to God is just that. It is not giving thanks primarily to what he's done. We're giving thanks for who he is, which transcends what he's done. So that if he doesn't do what I thought he, I, he would do, I still give thanks because I'm giving thanks to God. Um, so what, what is praise? Um, praise is not that God needs it. I, I was <clears throat> among people for quite a time that really believed that, that, that God needed you to praise him, and therefore if you praised him a lot, then you'd get a lot. Uh, and praise became then a formula for twisting God's arm, because he, to those, well, they would never accept it, but my interpretation of those people is they worship the ultimate narcissist. And therefore, you tell him he's good, he's great, he's a great guy, and he'll puff up and feel good about it and give you a hundred dollars. Um, that, that was their concept of God. No, God does not need our praise. God is complete in himself. And the delight and joy that passes between the persons of the Trinity is absolute, eternal, and final. He does not need us to do anything. Uh, there was a book, very famous book. I won't tell you the title or the author. Um, but there was a book and the opening statement was, God was lonely and so he made man for someone to talk to. That is not only wrong, that's heresy or bordering on paganism. And he's saying, indeed, that God is a lonely narcissist who has only got himself to look at. And when you come along, you better join him and keep telling him how good he is. That's not praise. I say that's heresy. Um, we don't praise to impress God that he might reward us with a special blessing. Nor is it a, a formula that if you praise for so long, then he's going to do something. There's some persons who are still with us that actually preach, you know, that you just keep confessing, praising God, tell him he's good, tell him he's right, tell him, and you're going to get your healing. You're going to get your mansion, you know, whatever. But, um, no, all of that makes, turns God into a narcissist. It's us. We need to praise God. We are the ones that need to give thanks to God. And if you think about it as I keep talking, you'll realize that as we praise God, it does something to me, yes. does something to me. It puts me in a position for right at the get-go. It's a declaration that I am a derived creature. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? I'm a creature. But when God made me, he didn't make me self-sufficient. He didn't say, well, I've given you everything you need. I'll meet you at the end. No, he made us beautifully, gloriously weak and helpless. We, we, we need to have a relationship to God that is dependent. Yes. And we need to know him as the fullness of love that is ever giving himself to us. And our response is always, thank you. Thank you. And, and and so we're the ones 
Um, it brings us into alignment with him. It brings us so that we fit like cogs in a wheel. We, we're like pieces of Lego that fit together. This is, this is what we should be doing. Not, not as a legalistic thing, but just this is life. That this is being alive. That, that we are thankful to him who is our all. A human being that is, um, self-separated and alone is not really human. A human being is one who is joined without any separation and that glue from our side is giving thanks to God that we recognize I'm receiving, I'm receiving, I'm receiving. Maybe that's why lots of people don't understand it. They they don't get it, that we are creatures that are meant, we're created to give thanks to God because we are created to be weak and helpers without him. That first um, passage I read, Psalm 92, he says, it is a good thing to give praise to God for his thankfulness. Um, the word good is one of the, shall I say, is a dense word. That is, you need at least a week to dig into it because there's so many facets to this word good. And and it's one of God's own words. At creation, he saw all that he had made and he said, it is good. And then he said, it's very good. And that summed up his entire creation. He said, it's good. When Moses says, show me your glory, the response in the Lord was, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. The, the great call of the Old Testament, and certainly it spills into the new, is taste and see that the Lord is good. And religion will say, taste and see that God is sovereign and powerful. But no, the scripture just says he's good. He's a good God, and he's good all of the time. But this word, I say, is so dense that you, it's got so many facets of meaning. And so let me just throw some out, because it says that for us to give thanks to God is a good, it's a good thing. Well, the word means um, beautiful. That would be a, a number one word that being good is a beautiful, in, in every sense, a glorious radiance, a good. When we say a person is a good person, most of the time we don't know what we're, we're saying. Um, but what we really are meaning, a person is radiating um, life. It's beautiful. It means well-pleasing. It means it, it's, it's right. When a person is in an inner attitude of thanks to God that is spilling over into everything they do and say without any fuss or announcement about it, that there's something well-pleasing. You'd like to be around them. It's fitting. It's when the ladies say, does this look good on me? And the person says, you know, it's fitting, it's, it's good, it, it, it fits you, and the colors are matching, and you know, 
You know what I mean. Um, well, what he's saying, the word means that when I am in a state of praise to God, it is fitting. You, you look great. It, it, it means that everything about you fits everything about you. Another word uh, for good is pleasant, which again has the same connotation. Interestingly, it is used to describe fruitfulness, which when God said of the creation is good, one thing he was saying is it's a fruitful creation or bring forth after its kind. And good is that the fruitfulness of a believer is matched by their saying, the giving thanks to God. And so it means, I'm really repeating myself, but just giving you the words mean appropriate. It's appropriate. You're not being really human if you're not giving thanks to God. It's appropriate that humans give thanks to God. It's proper. It's fitting. It's becoming. Any of those words make any sense to you? It, it, it means um, this is what you're created to do, and boy, do you look good doing it. Um, it. It means profitable. It means the wealthiest people on the planet are those who give thanks to God. And that makes sense to me immediately without yeah. thinking that it's got nothing to do with money or possessions. They're the meanest, unhappiest people you'll find. But you can go to something, this is not to glorify poverty by any means, but you can go to people who do not have, and yet they are thankful to God and they, they are beautiful. Um, and so it means wealthy, it means abundant. Again, the creation of God, when he said it's good, it was an abundant creation. Um, that when, when seeds fall from trees, the millions of seeds are not needed, but he just does it. He always does plenty too much. It's God, it's abundance. It also means healthy, and it means simple happiness. It also means festivity. Um, well, you get the point? Uh, th- th- this means it's going to change your physical It's going to change your mind. You're going to become healthy in mind and body because this is what you were created to do. And therefore, it fits. Right. And so, we give thanks to him for his glory. Well, his glory is goodness. And so, it is good for us to give thanks to God for his goodness. And when we give thanks to God for his goodness, we are a person who dwells in goodness. Taste and see, you're in the middle of it, and you're radiating goodness. It's a study all by itself, really, that Jesus um, was always giving thanks. And um, right at the beginning where it says that he carved a road through an impenetrable forest. Remember Luke 2.57, the word that he advanced, and that word in the Greek I've told you many times, means to advance with blows. It advanced with a machete through a forest, making a path where there wasn't a path. Every time Jesus was faced with uh, the flesh, faced with temptations of sin, He turned deliberately to the Father, and it was with 
glorifying the father that he found the way to say no and he, he carved a new path of praise to the father uh, when he was feeding the 5,000 he, he's got you know five loaves two fishes which is really five pita bread you know I don't get the idea it was a massive loaf it was a little thing for a boy's lunch pita bread or taco you know and five and some fish and he doesn't pray have you noticed he didn't pray he just had them it's the daftest thing you ever see you're looking at 15,000 people because there was only 5,000 men and it says and women and children and so he's looking at approximately 15,000 people he's got five tacos and a little fish and believe me that wasn't a great big red fish it was I mean just enough to fill the tacos and what does he do? Oh, God, we've got to need it. There's all these people that are hungry. You've got to do something. Instead, it says he gave thanks to the Father and says, here it is. Um, much of our prayers are completely useless because you've already got it. Uh, and and we're, we're asking, which is actually denying what God is. It gets you in a big mess. Um, at the Last Supper, it says that they, they sang a hymn just before he's going into his sufferings, he, they, they sang a hymn, which we know to be Psalm 118. And he says, I'm never alone. The Father is with me. That indeed is a statement of giving thanks to God. He stands before the, the governor Pilate. And just, I mean, it's true the man has got power to release him. And Jesus stands there almost casual and says, you have no power. Uh, unless it's given to you by my Father in heaven. Uh, just, uh, stop this stupid conversation. You, you know, that, that's a form of giving praise to God. Um, right down to the end, as he's dying under the terrible torture, and it says, into your hands I commit my spirit. That is, I don't even make reference to the Romans and Jews that have done this. I just, I'm coming to you. Um, he ascended as the high priest, which we never talk about. We'll have to do it, take a whole year, I'm sure. But um, he, what was Jesus doing now? He says he ascends to the Father and he is there, one with us. And therefore he's the one through whom we are ever in fellowship with the Father, which means he is now the voice of our praise. Right now, my praise is birthed by the ascended Jesus. And therefore, we are called priests. He's the high priest, and we are speaking. It's interesting in 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says you are to give thanks for all things. Um, maybe a better translation. The word things there in Greek can go either way. And it's up to the translator to say which way it's going to go. But it can be all things, but it can also be all persons. That the things can have person personality. And so um, there are many Greek scholars who say it should be that you are um, in, in, among all peoples, all mankind, confess over them the glory of God, which is what Andrew did just a moment ago. 
He wasn't begging, pleading that Father Gabe is healed. It was over him. I confess over him. Give thanks over him that this is the way it is. Um, Giving thanks in all moments, in all situations. It's the very heart of our existence. This is part of being a new creation. Because your eyes opened, you see that you are in him. He's in you. There's nothing else to talk about. Everything in life comes under that truth. You could say, this is my my lungs of my spirit. how I breathe this rare air of the new covenant. It is, it's our medicine. Our wholeness it makes me a whole person. And it really does. Um, when we're sick, if I'm in the world, I focus on the sickness. I confess the sickness. I tell myself, you're sick. And I listen to everybody's prognosis. You're sick, you're sick, you're sick. Whereas what he's saying here, you give thanks. You don't give thanks for the sickness, but you give thanks to the God who is your life, who is the one that who is wholeness and and it totally changes your mentality. It's a new message to every cell of your body. It changes your very genes. Your medicine. It's the first button on your shirt. Um, if, If you take your first button and button it to the second hole, your whole shirt is out of whack. This first button, first hole is giving thanks to God. And then the whole shirt fits. Or put it this way. Thanksgiving is akin, hear me carefully, I didn't say it is, but thanksgiving is akin to um, remembrance, as I've taught what remembrance is. But it is not looking back to something isolated in the past, becoming ancient history, that now I've got to try and make fit today, nor is it looking forward to something I hope and maybe perhaps it remembrance in the Bible means taking something that is past and now bringing it into the present moment where I am immediate to it and all its power and promises are come in a new, fresh energy. Uh, so that it's a time warp. There's no past and there's no present. I just is. And giving thanks to God is that, because you you see, to give praise to God, give thanks, you are confessing and realizing the immediacy of God. What I mean is, there really is no separation. He's not separated in ancient history. He's not separated in one of these days, I'm going to be blessed. He is, and always is, and in that sense, to walk in the Spirit is to walk outside of time, because you're never looking back and saying, if only we could do that again, if only God would do that, you're recognizing He is. And my prayer is not a whine that I don't have, and one day I will, but I is. And it's that I'm giving thanks to God that he is all that he ever was, and he is all that he ever will be, and he is that in this moment. 
And, and so I address the fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this here and now. And so really our thankfulness is in proportion to our knowing and seeing God in this present moment. See, if, if, if you're not there, you remember Jacob um, came to what became known as Bethel, and you remember he slept and uh, had the vision. You remember what he said in the morning? The Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. Um, that's how many people live. They can tell you what God did after he's done it. And they look at something in their life and now report he was with me, but at the time you didn't get it and thankfulness was not in your mouth. Do you follow what I mean by that? Um, see, giving thanks collapses that thing we call secular. Giving thanks says there's no secular. I'm giving thanks to God wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. All things, my whole life is lived in his presence. We're never lost from him. There's no separation. So therefore, my praise is not reserved for a special meeting like this morning. As I said, the Eucharist is not reserved for Sunday. That We, we have a life that is lived in, in, shall I say, in the shadow of the Eucharist. All, all of life is under that umbrella. We're living, giving thanks. The Holy Trinity is not some mystical mathematics where three equals one. No, no, it's got nothing. The Holy Trinity is the origin of love. And so you have the Father who loves the Son with an endless, infinite love and the Son loving the Father, and all that in the Holy Spirit, who is love. And so, and that, what I've just described, is holiness, not that disgusting legal idea that was passed on to you. Um, this is, Jesus said it, or rather the Lord said it to Moses, this is his glory, his goodness, his kindness, his gentleness, his patience, his compassion, his forgiveness, his long-suffering. This is who he is. And he is now. So thankfulness is responding to that goodness and delighting in that. Um, delighting in that we live. We are now living under the gaze of God. Now that would have been a terrifying thing. But when you meet the true God in the face of Jesus, that is the most wonderful thing you can ever imagine, that you live under the surveillance of God. Every move I make, every word I say, I know that I am embraced in God's love. We give thanks. Um, so giving thanks is deliberate. Just doesn't happen by chance. It's intentional. It is choosing to be present to him, whatever else I'm doing. For this person I'm talking about, being present to God isn't being in this meeting. This meeting is part of it, but I'm present to God when I'm taking a shower. I'm present to God at any point, time, in space. Um, and, that, and thankfulness brings me face to face with that. 
because I'm thanking God in the midst of that and realizing he's here, he's now, and I'm in him. It, it means that I really do, in him we live, we move. I have my I'm amnes, um, and, and giving thanks wakes my senses up to realize that. It is so. So thanksgiving, giving thanks, is the divine space in which I move and live and move and have my being. It's the divine space where I stop knowing about him and I move to knowing him face to face. It's a place where my faith is nourished. The heart is fixed. I'm anchored in God. Do you remember David, when all hell broke loose in um, his life, and it says he sat down and he wept until he could weep no more. But then it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. And we know from the rest of the Psalms, that was rising above his circumstance to say you're still there, and you have been there, and you're in the middle of this, and I give you thanks that you are who you are. And so, could I put it this way, that giving thanks collapses every word, every opinion of the evil one. You don't have to, this is the ultimate spiritual warfare, if you want to use that term. We're not going to war against Satan. We're ignoring him and giving thanks to God. And that collapses the whole of the darkness. So thankfulness overcomes fear. You, you, you cannot give thanks to God and be afraid at the same time because you are thanking him that he's above everything of which we are afraid. And of course, it cuts off complaining at the root. You, you will never complain if you're giving thanks to God. How can, because in, in Exodus and Numbers, it tells you very plainly that when you complain, your complaint is a blame to God. I might complain to you, but that's only how we are. He says, really, you were in a state of, like the Bible says, rebellion. It's um, contradiction of God. And so to give thanks continually cuts you off from complaining. And it takes your eyes off all that trouble you. Because you're not looking at them, you're looking above them to the God who is in you, with you, beside you, under you. What, what's it say in the scripture? Um, God is with me, of whom then shall I be afraid? Um, you know. Or, and of course, it kills envy. Because if I'm giving thanks to God, then I am not looking at what you've got and becoming obsessed with what you've got and wanting it, or seeing who you are and obsessed with who you are to the point where I wish you'd get out of the way and let me be you, um, which is envy. Um, not, nor wanting something that is at another time, but I want it now. You know, Do you remember those glorious days we had um, in the charismatic movement, some people would say? Um, and so that means right now sucks because it's it's not that. And, and but giving thanks to God never says if only. 
giving thanks to God never is comparing today to yesterday. It is saying here and now, whatever here and now is, is the place where I am meeting this God and he is in some way flowing through me. And this giving thanks, I think, I hope, by now you realize it has got some guts to it. It's, it's, it's got feeling. It's, I'm alive to it. Religion is incapable of that. And have you been in places where giving praise to God is a, what can I say? It's a robotic. It's a religious word. And the person says it awkwardly because it is not their usual conversation. They're trying to appear spiritual. When I say thankful, I mean it begins the seeing of your spirit. You've seen a revelation of the spirit. And all of us here, don't count yourself out. You, you, you have seen something only the Holy Spirit could show you. Beginning with the love of God. That's not natural. The Holy Spirit showed you that. Or as Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. It's the Holy Spirit. And it begins with that. And then we think about it. And we change our thoughts to fit the revelation. That comes to our attitude to life. And that includes how we see our past life. It's how we see the present, how we look at the future. And that comes through into our behavior. And we become thankful persons. And it shows in behavior. And we become those who love even as he has loved us. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. And then it comes out through your mouth. And it doesn't necessarily come out to saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That can be very religious. Uh, It comes out in the way you talk about things. It comes out about the way you anticipate the future. It's the way you interpret what's happening right now. It shows that you're operating from a, a different level. And it comes out with speech. And speech, the Bible teaches from beginning to end, the power of what we say. And so James sums it up by saying your tongue, your speech is the rudder by which your ship is guided. According to your speech, so you are. And it says, in fact, the rudder, the tongue controls your entire body. Yeah, and and so if that is giving thank, thankful praise to God, that literally, I say literally, affects every cell of your body, and it affects your life. It affects all your dimensions of life. Um, proverbs of life and death are in the power of the tongue. Um, Jesus said, "The words that I say to you, they are spirit; they're life." They're not just sounds on the air. The ultimate, it says in Philippians 2, quoting Isaiah, that every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. That word confess is one of the ten. Uh, Confess is a praise word. And, And it means that you give thanks with exuberant joy. Because people do say when it says that, every tongue shall confess, they do so you know, grudgingly, that, okay, you caught me now, I'll say it. No, it says, every tongue confess with great joy. They they say he is Lord. 
And so we speak words of life, words of love, words of peace and joy, and those very words, please understand it, we say, well, I only, you know, I just said it. No, you dropped a bomb. (laughs) What you said has an actual space in time, place, and history. And your one word can change people's lives. Yet the words that you say in terms of the heart of thankfulness are words that pierce the darkness, shatter the darkness. And, of course, praise involves the whole person. In that sense, you, you, you're not just, um, well, you're not religiously, robotically saying praise words. It involves your whole person. Um, we, we live in a state of wonder, awe, almost speechless, because what we're dealing with, that I have been adopted into the Holy Spirit family. Um, I, I am a familiar friend with God the Son. I sit down and chat with the Holy Spirit. I am the delight of the Father. I call him Abba. Now, if that doesn't take your breath away. Um, And so you have in the Scripture these very physical responses. It's not something just in my head. Um... In fact, there's one word in those ten that speaks specifically of raising your hands to give thanks to God. And and that can be looked upon as an act of surrender, which is okay. But I think it fits more that it's the raising hands of a little child running to their mother, father, and jumping into their arms. Um, but no, it's done physically. They raise their hands. Um, we, we're a weird bunch. Um, we raise our hands to do everything. Um, people stand back there sometimes and they make signs with their hands expecting me to understand what they're saying. Um, you know, you, you go to football match and your hands are going crazy. Uh, and yet when it comes to the most important thing of life, we're very hesitant about what we do with our body. It's weird. I never really understood it. Um, And so in the scripture, like it or not, and probably people there, here, everywhere will not like it because we're respectable Americans. But um, the Bible speaks of shouting, shout to the Lord. It says clap to the Lord, sing to the Lord. It, it, It talks about dancing. And if you can't do anything in tune, it says just make a joyful noise to the Lord. I... My, my theology, I, as most of you know, I never went to seminary. I don't even have a high school diploma. And so my seminary w- was really the Holy Spirit teaching. And it came to a head when I was in Ireland. I spent a number of years in Ireland as a young pastor who didn't know what he was doing. And... um if you know anything about Ireland, I, I would cross the border into the true Irish and, and, uh, and Donegal and down onto the beach. And that beach um, is straight opposite New York and Maine uh, and straight across the great Atlantic rollers. And, of course, in those days, that was in the early 50s, 
and um, 1950s, not 1850s, but, um, you know, the Irish had not woken up to what a wonder they had. Maybe they haven't. I pray God they haven't. But, you know, if it was America, there'd have been 300 hotels along there. But when I went there, it was just great rocks that had fallen and left, full of seabirds of every kind. And these great Atlantic rollers come crashing onto the beach. And I, I walked that beach and all the way down, down, down to um, the, the west coast of Ireland. And, and no one was there, no one except the seabirds. And as I saw the truths of who God was... I shouted. I shouted till it echoed back from the rocks and cliffs and caves. And that to me was a vital part of my spiritual education. The shouting. Um, I'm not much of a dancer, but, um, if you get, do you understand what I'm saying? This, is, this isn't reading out of a book. This is seeing something and the only way you can express yourself it is with a cry, a shout that not necessarily has any content to it. It is just a shout. The same thing when I was in Africa and in the jungle where maybe 500 miles from civilization and to sit there and shout for the glory of God. You should try it sometime. Um, it established, I know you're looking at me weird, some of you, um, but you see what, what we're doing we're confessing, we're confessing the invisible, the real, the love of God, the only real that is in this moment. And we are confessing that the things that are not visible, but we're confessing them as though they are. And as I say, sometimes it gets a hold of us. And, and if it hasn't, don't, don't say, well, it's not my personality. Uh, you've met your match in me. I'm Brit. And it's written into the British Constitution that you don't do those things. Um, we're not even allowed to weep in public. And, you know, one, one of the marks of a Brit is a stiff upper lip, old chap, you know. Yeah. And, and so, and I'm, I'm serious there. It, it, we, we say, well, that's just not me. The Bible was not written just to emotional people. It was written to all of us. We are taking sides with him against ourselves and against the confusion and the darkness. And we resound with, you know, great yes as we leap into his arms and participate in him, which results in behavior. We trust his goodness against all what we see. We trust his goodness, and then we respond to that goodness with, with thanks, which enables us to see his goodness everywhere. Yeah. Now, it's a fact. I'm not being super critical. This is a fact. Have multitudes of believers do not trust God as good no. all the time. Yeah. They're not sure. I... Do you, do you know what I mean? It's, I think it's the most difficult thing for the American Christian to trust God's goodness. 
because we perceive him as doing things that aren't good. And it is only in this world we're talking about where we're giving thanks to the goodness of God that we understand his goodness when we can't see it. But if we don't see that God is good all the time, then my praise words will be dead, flat, empty, merely a recitation of words. Think about that. And you you realize that religion, in all its faces, talks to a flat, unfeeling, impersonal, absent God. Where, and hear me now, in that atmosphere, heartfelt thanks is inappropriate. You try it. That's why you go into many churches that will not allow vocal praise to God. Why? Because they're talking to an idea, not a person. They're talking to a book of doctrine, not a person. And therefore, to start acting as if he's really there, escort you to the door. Um, Think about that. See, we, we live, believers, we live in this atmosphere of the new covenant. That's the oxygen Praise and giving thanks is the oxygen that we breathe. I come back to what I said a moment ago. Prayer is only understood as existing inside that oxygen of praise and thanksgiving. Because without this atmosphere of giving thanks to God because he's good and he's real all the time, if I don't get that, then prayer becomes a very solemn bowing of the head. It is shot through with begging. There's a fearful silence that I'm disturbing a God who really is annoyed with us. And we apologize to him for even being here. We grovel, thinking that pleases him when we say we're no good and unworthy. And he's just, we've said words to a remote and disinterested God, and we don't, they don't want you to be specific because that would put him on the spot. So be vague, so he can answer whether you know it or not. You wouldn't even notice it if he did. And so, do you realize this is one of the most amazing texts, maybe, Romans 1, speaking of the fall of mankind into sin, it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. Their foolish heart was darkened. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. Now, please, did you hear that? The mark of the fall. We're going to describe the fall. What was it? Man stopped giving thanks to God. And the result of that 
was in their mind, their thoughts, it became futile, which means aimlessly going around in circles, going nowhere. And your heart, the center of your being, was darkened. And you portrayed yourself as wise, but really you were just an idiot. That's what he says, you know. Um, In 2 Timothy 3, he says, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And I'm not talking about that, because we're not talking about eschatology here. It's not not the end of time or the end of whatever. It's the end of when when something comes to an end and, and it collapses and another something rises. And it was about that in the early church he was talking about. So he said that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. The mark of a society or a church that is on the verge of collapsing, one of the marks is they don't give thanks. And such people are called unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. And what comes out of that, if you're not giving thanks, malicious gossip, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And here it is, holding a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Two Timothy three in the first five verses. I mean, I, I. What do you do when you read that? That a mark, you expect him to say, drug addicts, murderers. It says unthankful, and such only have an outward shell of godliness because they've long lost and denied the power of godliness. Sin takes giving thanks out of your mouth. And it's a descent into foolishness, futility, dead end, life without meaning, and thinking you're wise in so doing. Of course, unfaithful defaults to complaint, gossip, anxiety, painting some terrible future in your imagination, declaring sickness has overcome us and is God's fault. The world, a great madness has overcome the world. It's totally illogical. As I say, it's dementia. It is. It's a madness. It's a terrible, terrible, profound disease of the mind by which I could no longer see God, know God, know myself, know why I'm here. Producing religious anxiety and groveling. So... The Old Testament says that the new covenant is the covenant of the Spirit. Remember that? Ezekiel 36? And it says there that I will take out of you the heart of stone 
and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. And then Joel 2, speaking of the new covenant, says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's a subject for another message, but um, it, it is the key to where we are today is the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended and says, when he is come, he will glorify me. He'll be your teacher. He'll be the exegete. He will be the one that will guide you. So Ephesians 5 that we read at the beginning reveals the Spirit is the key to praise. You know, be filled with the Spirit. Speak him to yourself in psalms and hymns, songs that are inspired by the Spirit. And in everything, give thanks. The Spirit was the key. And please understand me. The, the church as we have it today, it began with Augustine in 500. And Augustine, who was really the father of legalism and terrible things. But maybe the worst thing he was guilty of was the announcement as a theologian saying the spirit has has done his job. It's over. And he, he when the last apostle, now the spirit's over. So don't expect any manifestations of the spirit. They have now become demonic up until the last apostles it was the holy spirit but but now he's gone so anything you see today is just a false and demonic um that's terrible because the trinity now becomes father son and holy bible we don't have the spirit we've only got a bible that we obsess over and say, now we don't need the spirit. That's all mystery stuff. Now I've got a brain and I can intellectually explain the Bible. No, you can't. Spirit wrote it. Spirit explains it. Come on. Amen. And you see, have you noticed where that is believed, which um, it was reinforced back, um, I forget when, doesn't matter, quite recently, but it became the foundation of so many of our denominations. That is why you never hear a mention of the Holy Spirit. Some people hardly know there is a Holy Spirit because of this one doctrine that said it's over. Um, it's, it's, where, where do you go from here? But you see, in, in all those places, there's no praise. There's no thankfulness. Why? Because it takes the Holy Spirit to enlighten your heart with a vision of God within that demands a response of thankfulness and praise. And if the Holy Spirit has been put out, not that he's left, <clears throat> he won't leave us. He is love. To meet the Holy Spirit is to meet original love. And so he, he's ever coming toward us, but he's ever being told to shut up. And in many, many, many cases, literally so. Um, I don't know how many of you who had an experience of the Holy Spirit and you told your pastor, and they said, that's not of God. Um, Anyway, I don't want to get off on that. But 
um, here the Spirit is immediately present to us. He's the fullness of agape, which is a continual movement toward us, a continual revelation of who Christ is in us. And so we become people of Psalm 92. It says that we, in the morning we declare his loving kindness. At night we declare his faithfulness. So we bookend the day. And we do so with words of thanks. That means, hear me now and I'll quit, I think. Um, but he, hear me, hear me. If you do not define your day with thankfulness at the beginning, then the day will be defined by default. Yeah, say that again. Um, anything can happen today, and we will name the day by the happening. And at the end of the day, we'll say it was a bad day because of that happening, because of that person, what they said, what was done to me, that becomes the name of the day because I didn't name it at the beginning with thankfulness and praise. Um, we will define the day. We'll name it by complaint. We'll name it by anxiety. We'll name it because we become the victim of the events. And we do that after the fact. Because we didn't do anything before the fact. So now we have to... Do you remember... Well, maybe you don't. Uh, Naomi in the book of Ruth... Um, we have, I don't know how long ago it was, we studied that family. Um, they were a poor bunch. Um, you know, the Hebrew way with, with their children, naming was a very big deal because in the name you defined where you believed God was taking the child. Well, I don't get it, but Naomi and her husband... They didn't name their children. They named them after the fact. And so both of them, both kids, they were sickly. And in the Hebrew language, they named them. One was named sickly. Um, the other one was named, you know, always disease or something. It was, they didn't, Name them at the beginning. They named them by what happened to them. And then after the fact, it became their name. Instead of naming them at the beginning, which would be a, a, a naming of faith, a, a naming that would already contradict the sickness and contradict the miserable life, they just let it happen, and then they name them. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? It's naming by default. Naming what happened last week by what happened last week. Instead of naming it at the beginning with thankfulness to God. That whatever happens this week, we name it the goodness of God. 
And then at night you look back on the day and you name it by the faithfulness of God that he's been who he said he is. So thankfulness is not denial of what's happening. Something bad happens and I say, well, it wasn't really bad. Thanks be to God. Um, No, that's called denial. Um, This is, I can recognize what is happening. But as Francois has translated it, in spite of that, I am locking myself into a God that is always good and is really one with me and in all of this he is at work and that's where we that's it it's um it's not fatalism yeah it's not just karma saying what is to be will be it's not passivity thankfulness is stepping into day into the darkness sometimes into the confusion and declaring the truth is that the Good God is here and he's now. And so the will of God is is not a sigh. Well, the will of God be done, you know. Um, No, the will of God is that we get active in being who we are by in praise aligning ourselves with him. We're not victims of God's pleasure. Um, people who say that believe that God's pleasure is to beat us up. No, we're not. We are active in God, with God, through God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And and so we, we are changing our environment. We are speaking light into darkness. We're speaking wisdom into confusion just by giving thanks to God. I, I want one last thing. In much of that confusion for many people is very real temptation. Um, an addict faces not only an outside temptation, but an inside craving for that temptation. And if we meet that temptation by recognizing it as that the sin is too big for me, I just I have to give in. But I'm going to try, I'm going to try and summon my willpower to rise up and try. Well, of course, you, you, that's not Christianity. You, you've missed it. The, what we're saying here is that we confess our weakness. That is, I'm not going to pretend this isn't happening. I'm not going to pretend I, I'm not being tempted. I'm not going to... Say, I'm above this. I'm going to confess that I'm weak, I'm helpless, I can't handle this. I have a mind going on that's crazy, but I know that the mind of Christ has already been given to me in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I confess that and I give thanks to God that he places his mind within me, regardless of what I'm feeling right now. And I am in the act now of giving thanks to God and I receive, I receive his love that takes this insane suggestion and gives to me instead the mind of Christ 
and the insight to realize that this whole thing is insanity and the strength to walk through it. Um, maybe I should have left that for another time. Um, yeah, next week. We'll stop there. But um, I trust something has got you ready for a life of thanksgiving. Amen. We thank you, Father, because what else is there to do? You are the all-giving, the all-loving, the ever-self-giving of yourself. And we, by your choice, are the recipients of your giving. And so all we can say this morning is, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. And we ask, give us the grace to see your goodness in all times, in all places, and give us a heart to respond to that goodness with thanksgiving to you. Amen. 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 Amen.